Hello everybody, welcome back to Desert Streaming. I'm here with Katie. Hello. Hey Katie. And with our guest, Andrew Kamiski. Hi. Great to have you back, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so this uh, will be the first of three podcasts where we're going to be addressing the podcast Dear Lana, a very popular podcast. Um, if you listen to podcasts, you've probably seen it somewhere in the top of the charts. Um, and we're just, it's just sort of our response to the podcast. So for those of you who haven't listened, um, I'll just give a brief summary of the podcast. So Dear Alana really, I would say, is a tale of actually two people. So first, sort of the titular Alana. Uh, she was a young woman who tragically took her own life in 2019 at the young age of 24. Um, and for most of her life, Alana struggled with same-sex attraction and also for a significant part of her life was a devout Catholic. And so this podcast is going to posit sort of this main conflict in Alana's life that led to a suicide was this tension between her, her struggle with same-sex attraction and then her love for the Catholic Church and their teaching about human chastity, uh, which led her to what they would claim is conversion therapy. So the hosts of the show, um, Simon Kent Fung, and then the friends and family profiled in the podcast, their assertion that it was this teaching of the Catholic Church and then Alana's experience with conversion therapy is what caused Alana uh, to kill herself. Uh, and then really the second person <laughs> that this podcast is about is indeed the host. Uh, he sees a lot of similarities between himself and Alana. He says their lives are intertwined, um, even though they never actually met. Um, Simon was a devout Catholic who also struggled with SSA. And he claimed, um, or he says he sought conversion therapy for a decade um, before realizing he didn't really need it, that he wasn't broken. Um, and again, Fung is going to see many parallels between himself and Alana. And really the story is told as he kind of goes through her journals, cell phones, and emails to tell Alana's story, but also to explore his own understanding of self. So that is just sort of what the podcast is in a nutshell. And the reason why we're, we're doing this response is because we are mentioned, Desert Stream Living Waters is mentioned, as kind of one of the Catholic culprits, I guess, of, of Alana's suicide or of people's shaming. Um, and it, 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 it does come up in one of the episodes that she reached out to the Desert Stream office to apply for a training. Although Alana never came to a training, um, she never really, she never engaged with us on any of our ministry offerings. But it, it does behoove us to, to, to give a response, sort of painting our ministry as a part of this dangerous band of people who uh, shames, shames... Yeah, dangerous band of conversion therapists would be the exactly. umbrella term that many are mentioned and that Living Waters would fall under that umbrella term of conversion therapy. Many are mentioned, few are chosen. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Very few are chosen to be in this podcast. Um, and then as a disclaimer, um, we, we wouldn't necessarily suggest... Um, that in order to listen to this podcast, you need to listen to Dear Lana, or even to be kind of culturally conversant, you need to listen to Dear Lana to kind of understand what we're talking about. Um, you can listen to it, but warning, it's kind of deceptive, um, but it's well done, and so it's easy to be sort of swept under, and it's a bit confusing and misleading. So it's up to you if you want to listen to it, but just sort of buyer beware. Um, it, 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 it truly is beguiling. It, it's 
he has a great voice and there's high it's very quality and you, yeah. it's so yeah. easy i even found myself at times yeah, listening kind to of it. winsome <laughs> old christian folk songs Simple in the background sure yeah. Yeah. you know so there he 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 it's all swathed in a kind of neo-christian mysticism absolutely yeah. there's it, this kind of yeah. the spirituality of coming out of the grip of of the, the of, of rigorous medieval uh, rigorous catholicism and Church. and wacky psychology yes yeah and i think too it, it it probably does um have some access points for some young catholics who are experiencing the same stuff i think it can easily draw young catholics who experience same sex attraction sure. and it, it brings you into sort of a malaise and even a skepticism against the church. That's where I would I would warn people like don't don't just, stoke that. Yeah, like be be yeah. mindful right. of what you're ingesting here. Right. I think I think to your point, Kitty, enough said in saying that it's deceptive. Just be be cautious as yeah. you listen. Listen to it with a lens. I hope you would hear our podcast series as a lens through which to listen to a lot, dear Alana, if you if you so decide yeah. to do that. And just as a brief note, um, as someone personally, I don't struggle with same-sex attraction. So even if that's not your struggle, there is such a temptation um, to want to be the good friend to the same-sex struggler and really be an advocate for them. And so even if that's not your struggle, uh, you want to be, you know, we all have a tendency to want to care for the ones who are most broken and most vulnerable in this, you know, podcast I was listening to it being like, oh, yeah, like maybe we we should be kinder to those strugglers. Maybe we should be more understanding, quote unquote, and that could catch you, too. So just be aware, like we we want to be mindful of God's truth and how we listen to this podcast. Um, And so kind of related to this podcast will be a blog series that my dad is writing, um, three part blog series, uh, three part podcast series. And so we will link, which will link. Yes. We'll link to that, but it might be helpful to read the blog in conjunction, uh, with this podcast. So the blog series, and this will be sort of the beginning of our conversation, uh, is entitled that my dad is writing is titled, does the church kill gay people? That's a strong question. Um, a provoking question. So our first question for you is sort of why this title um, and what specifically in the podcast provoked you to ask that question? Yeah, no, great question, Katie. And as to your point about, gosh, I don't want to be a friend who, you know, gets swept into this, this kind of false compassion. I think we need to distinguish between being extremely kind and understanding of anyone's sexual struggle uh, and and simply clear in our presence as merciful Christians. Yes. The point is, can we trust the church's trajectory? Yeah. Do we trust the path of chastity as the way that, that, that every Christian is called to walk, whatever their symptom of, of, of brokenness or disorder is? And so... I don't think that's the question. The question is not love and compassion. The question is, do we believe that the church's trajectory is working on behalf of every Christian? And that's why I raise uh, the title, Does the Church Kill Gay People? Because in the end, Simon says, yes, yes, the church killed her. The church in her rigor, the church in her... Um, 
kind of refusal to allow her to be her true self, the true gay Alana, uh, messed with her head. And so in the end, she resolved this unresolvable conflict by killing herself. And this is, of course, a fear that many compassionate Christian caregivers have. If I call persons with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria or any kind of sexual identity conflict into, well, why don't we take steps in the direction of being reconciled to your masculinity or femininity? Why don't we make peace with your biological self? Why don't we make peace with just friendship and not lovers with same-sex friends, etc.? If we go in that direction, we're going to drive them to suicide. So this podcast plays upon what has become a huge fear, which is basically, I don't even want to talk with this person in regards to encouraging them towards chastity or they'll blow their heads off. And that's kind of, I, I wouldn't even say kind of, I would say in the end, well, <laughs> let's be fair, that's Simon's conclusion from the start. Yes. Um, though he gives us the appearance of, well, I don't really know how I feel about homosexuality and being a Catholic. So, so like any, any good young person, we're all like, uh, not me, <laughs> you being the young people, we're all kind of like, yes, how, how winsome that you're bringing us into such a delicate and profound exploration. He has already concluded that the church does damage to persons and will lead some people to suicide. And so um, I, I think that is unfair. And thus his, his, his winsome, open-heartedness in the start is actually a lie. Yeah, I think, I think that adds to the whole deceptive nature of it, is that it is kind of a false itinerary for people. Like, oh, let me, I'm, I'm kind of on that journey too. Like, mm -hmm. where... Where am I going as a young Christian, a young yes. Catholic in this? And he, he brings you in into this whole world, utilizing this woman's death as a as a as a roadmap. But like you said, Andrew, at the end, I mean, you'll you'll read this in the blog disclaimer. <laughs> he sort of f bombs God and and blames the church for yes. for like trying to heal what what isn't broken. Yes. And so yeah, I think I think that's a good a good for us to just start with. Like Simon is is leading out with this. He believes that the church is dangerous ground for those of us who struggle in these areas. And we would say, no way, that is totally the wrong premise. That's not true. Yeah, let's not let's not raise a fist at the church and say, Oh, you, you're dangerous to I mean, of course, people within the church can can be less than optimal. Duh. Yeah. We know that. That's yes. not news to us. Yes. But Jesus' body heals. Mm -hmm. That's what. That's why it exists. Yes. And Jesus' body heals by saying, actually, there is something amiss here. Right. And so, so we're we're at a point in our history as as in our Western world is to say, if you even suggest that homosexuality involves some kind of human brokenness, you're killing me. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of, I'm, oh, I, I know, I, I won't say it well. The whole, when, when France as a nation two years ago made reparative therapy, meaning any kind of change effort for homosexual identity 
and, and desire. When France made that illegal, the byword was rien ne guérir, nothing to heal. Mm. And, and Simon's, yeah. spoiler alert, prayer to Alana at, on the last podcast <laughs> is, is, and Alana, thank you for, for showing me that God doesn't, um, doesn't need to heal me because there's nothing that's broken. He being a same sex struggler. And so he's, he's kind of he's kind of reframing yeah. the French political motto mm. for banning any effort right. to 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 decrease uh, or redirect homosexual desire. Yeah. So so I'm so grateful for the church that says, yeah, there there, there actually is something amiss here. And there's a greater, extraordinary mercy for you, an extraordinary truth for you, an extraordinary power in the Holy Spirit to transform you. This is the church we know and love. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, 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 right from the start of this podcast, uh, utterly disagree with, with his premise. Um, but yes, so forgive me. I think, you know, just sort of, we'll explore this uh, in a later podcast episode, but you kind of mentioned um, sort of the unresolvable conflict, right? That Simon was experienced in the church, that Alana experienced. So just sort of from the outset, so the answer to the question, does the church kill gay people? Uh, Your answer is no. But I guess the follow-up question is like, so does the church help gay people? Is this unresolvable conflict actually resolvable via church teaching orthodox understanding of human sexuality is that a resolvable tension and can the church indeed help gay people not kill them yes of course and i would say teaching yes is important but teaching has to be fleshed out with with real people and so one absolutely needs a community I dare say Alana had a rather extraordinary Christian community in, in, in her diocese. Um, I would say also that we can clearly say with someone like Alana, um, there were profound issues beyond same-sex attraction at work in her life uh, that made this tension for her unmanageable. Yeah. And I think we need to say that. Yeah. And I think we need to speak into possibly the greater conflict that some luminous, fragile, deeply afflicted souls have with working out real moral conflicts. And, and I, I mean, this is a suicide. Yeah. And I won't weaponize that yeah. by saying, yeah, see, the church doesn't give me freedom to be gay. I, I think that trivializes her life, yeah. mm-hmm. which is so much more profound and complicated yeah. and marvelous than her being a poster girl for uh, an Asian man who was raised in a very stable Christian environment with many benefits, uh, who had his own same-sex conflict, and who strangely kind of posits himself in the life of someone who was utterly different from him 
on a hundred levels, yeah. including sexuality. Yeah. This is a woman, right. including family. She was from a very broken, enmeshed family. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 she was also, strangely enough, a woman who was surrounded by a marvelous community of Christians, uh, but was in profound conflict nearly from the beginning uh, with her own family, who was increasingly concerned that she was becoming a Christian and, and, and so thoroughly identifying with this particular Christian community. So many differences in their two stories, nevertheless, Simon shares his own life essentially through the lens of Alana, uh, a woman he never met, uh, who was, is, you know, she died at 24, he's now 38. So many differences, but I I think we were all taken aback by by the, the, the utterly subjective... And, and we would say distorting right. way in which he interpreted his life through hers. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're kind of taken aback that he is almost sort of shamelessly reading her journals, her private thoughts. And I mean, I'm not a big journal journaler, but when we were talking about this podcast, you know, just casually, I mean, if someone just opened your journal and read your thoughts, like it would probably be a bit, it wouldn't be as accurate perhaps as an objective sort of assessment of your life. It's your subjective feelings. That's how you get things out. And so part of what disturbs me a little bit is how Alana's journals, which she was free to write. Of course she can write whatever she wants. That's what she was feeling. And so in that sense, it's like, yes, she had the freedom, but then to use her journal as evidence of wrongdoing, like, well, Alana claims that she was abandoned and thus it's true. It's like, well, that's just dishonest. I mean, our personal journals in and of themselves may not be objective truths. We can feel one way and have the truth be something else. But it's also, it was just uncomfortable, especially in the latter episodes when he's going through her voice memos and playing songs that she wrote and then this recording that she had with the psychic and going through her emails. It's so invasive. So invasive. And he endows it with a mysticism. Yes. Because he must have thought, and maybe his producer was thinking, it's kind of weird that you did that. So he kind of raises these rhetorical questions like, why did I have to go into her cell phone? Because she wanted the truth to be known. So he he kind of answers his own questions in in a really fake way, but in a way that's, again, endowed with a a mysticism. I'm on a mission, in his case now, post-Christian, post-church, I'm on a secular mission to reveal the heart of this conflict that's killing people, yes. namely my muse, yeah. Alana. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a rather sickening for someone who was a very strong Catholic. I, I don't know if he still considers himself yeah, one. I'm it's not, hard to know. Yeah, hard to um, know. He I, ends it ambiguously. He I mean, ends it ambiguously. He's pretty upset with the church and, and God at the God end. God in particular. So, so we don't really know. We can't sure. say that. But he, he endows this quest with, with a, a kind of spirituality um, that, that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the, the divulging of her personal, intimate stuff was, it, it left you kind of feeling a, a weird 
it was it was a weird feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it induced a, a weird. I remember Katie and I when we were overviewing this podcast. There were a couple of times where it's like, we got to turn this off. Yeah. There's just something very strange about listening to this woman's it's very process. In- intimate, right? <laughs> and yeah. she has a right to be immature in her journals. Everyone is. Yes, <laughs> at, especially this. They started at fourteen. Yeah, exactly. she was young. She, so she was a lot young. of it is teen stuff. Right. Yes. Right. And so it, it. Yeah. Just a even a disclaimer to the listener and listening to this. It. It, it does. In if I felt like it was had an inducing factor. Of bringing a, a weird, like you said, Andrew, just the, the heebie-jeebies. Like this woman, it, this does not vindicate uh, this woman from from her from her suicide at all. In a way, it sort of um, uses uses her her deep, profound life, troubled life, as a weapon against the church. So, yeah. And I, I sort of want to hear your thoughts. And this is it, sort of about this conflict, right? So this this conflict. Alana was facing between uh, her sexuality and then what the church teaching. And so you, you claim, you say it's as this moral conflict um, that, that you would say that conflict she was facing between like her same sex attraction and her Catholic faith, um, you know, was moral and maybe even innate um, within her. And I think Simon would argue like that was an artificial conflict that was imposed from without. Without the Catholic Church and her teaching, she probably would not have been in conflict with her sexuality. She would have just been free to be gay and in a relationship. And so, like, how would you kind of that argument, like, is this conflict that Alana was feeling, um, is that innate to us? Do we have this innate understanding of what our sexuality is meant for? Um, and so anyone struggling is, is going to be in conflict, regardless, ultimately, of the religious beliefs. Or is, you know, the church responsible in some ways for magnifying that conflict from without because of teachings that were kind of imposed on her and not just warred against what mm. she was feeling inside? Mm. I think that's, I think people maybe struggle with that a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. is this, who caused this conflict? I mean, because the whole thing is the conflict okay. caused her to kill herself. Oh. What is the sort of nature of that conflict? Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I have to answer as a Christian, of yes, course. Yes, exactly, yes. So I answer as one who says, no, the law is written on our hearts. Yeah. So any any kind of adulterous mm, temptations that I might have. So uh, did I feel guilt when I first came upon my father's pornography? Yes. Yeah. I thought, oh, you know, of course it would have been better had it not been there, but I would have found it somewhere else probably. <laughs> In 60s Southern California. So, you know, finding something like that, do I feel like, oh, that's not right. I I shouldn't be doing that. Um, I think even masturbation, you know, the experience of exploring your body, we all do that, I think. And, you know, some of us more than others. But the experience of, hmm, I'm not not really, you know, sexuality is meant to be done in the light, but it's also veiled. There's something about our our sexuality that's inherently veiled. That's why we wear clothing, symbolic of a, of a kind of good social shame, if you will. And so I think our explorations and our experiences of our sexuality, as we, you know, as, as that develops and as we kind of express it or experience it, I think there there is a mixture of of good shame 
which is, I'm not sure if I should be doing this in a way. I need to bring it out into the light and, and kind of, I need some touch points from out here with the disquiet I'm experiencing within. And I, I think some of that has to do with conscience and what God has written on our hearts. That's an invitation for us to bring our sexuality in its imperfect state, whatever, whatever the adulterous direction is. Uh, to bring it into the light. So I, I do think that's just a part of being a human being made in the image of God. Should that be a source of, of, of overwhelming guilt, self-hatred, a, a kind of ugly shame that we might call the traditions of men, not God? I would say not at all. Mm -hmm. and, and that needs to be sussed out. And um, of course, we don't really know. I don't again, I'm, I'm hesitant to dissect all that I know now about Alana through Simon and say, well, that's what was going on. I don't want to be a dime store psychologist towards her. That's unfair. It's untrue. But I dare say there was triple portions of 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 amplified guilt and bad shame and 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 the the hatchet of self-hatred that uh, in in her that I I think I, I'm not I don't know where that came from mm -hmm. for her I, I don't know the source of that so you're yeah you're not comfortable saying well the church was the cause of that not at all oh Honestly, because I actually do know her community to some degree. In, I, in Boulder. In yeah, Boulder, yeah. yeah, where she was. They're utterly kind, yeah. utterly merciful. Um, they came so close yeah. just to come alongside of her. So, no, I don't think it was because outside voices were like, oh, that's, that's the worst sin or nothing like that. But but there there was something in her, and I don't know what that was, that um, that that really was tormenting. Yeah. And for that, I I I I open my hands in sober mystery as to the depth mm. of 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 the wounded and complicated heart mm. of a person that I believe is in the hands of Jesus, yes. and I I entrust her to Jesus. Um, I, I'm, I'm annoyed and troubled by uh, Simon's interference in that and his weaponizing of her. I don't like that at all. Um, I also don't like my friends uh, that surrounded her being villainized as, as accomplices to her demise. Yeah. That's, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. But yeah, so yeah, I, I just had a just even a thought of when you were speaking about you know n not really knowing what where those those big big amounts of shame came from, but even just our experience of the church being a place where I mean, you, I even know this in Living Waters. If we see Living Waters as an extension of of people experiencing the, the body of Christ, how in those places we get to be released from those areas of shame yeah. you know yeah. for those of us who have 
really good experiences of the church, namely the Catholic Church. We can just name that here since Simon's speaking about the Catholic Church in particular, but how the Catholic Church has been a, a place for us to be released from bad shame. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. in a way, it's like, wait, I that that was the shelter in which I was able to throw off bad shame. Yeah. The traditions of men. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to become more reconciled with my broken, complicated, wonderful history. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. And so I, I think um, to your point about the community in Boulder, yeah, I, I, I echo that. I think <laughs> the people thrown under the bus uh, in this podcast wonderful agents of mercy to the shameful so thank you lord for them Mm -hmm. and so kind of the question is you know people have their own subjective experiences in different Mm -hmm. church settings so how Mm -hmm. what would be your response to Mm. those who say well actually the church hasn't been a haven for me i wasn't Mm. met with mercy i was met with a heavy hand i was met with judgment, whether that's true or not. I mean, yes. not that that's re- yeah. irrelevant, but people yeah. have experiences where they could listen to Dear Lana and they could hear what you both are saying and saying, well, yeah, that that seems wonderful, but that actually hasn't been my experience. Right. How would you respond to those ones listening to this podcast? You say, well, actually, I, I kind of agree with Alana in that sense. I relate yeah. to sort of feeling abandoned and mistreated by the Catholic community. What would be your response to yeah. that sort of reaction? Yeah, well, I would take it seriously. Yeah. I'd say, oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm a member of Christ. I represent the church. Uh, so I would say, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that's true for you. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't contest it. Like, no, that wasn't your experience. It was actually so wonderful. <laughs> It was my experience, <laughs> you know. It's like, no, it wasn't mine, and you're free to have yours. And as a baptized Christian, as a member of Christ yourself, let's let's together take steps forward to make her better. Mm-hmm. You know, in that way, we're all responsible for making the church better. Yeah. And in that way, I have always... <laughs> refuse to be a victim of the church mm-hmm. um, as a member I can make choices as to who I engage with as to who I want to partner with uh, in in chastity in healing of whatever in mission in sacrament you know there's a there's a way in which we do have good freedom of choice and we need to choose wisely so perhaps we can help people to see what their options are, to make good choices. But we have to make choices. And if our starting point is, I'm just a victim of this ogre church, this killer church, and she's not going to change her killer teaching, so i got to get out, then there's no hope. There's no hope. I mean, I talk about that in that first blog, you know, Alana, um, towards the end of her life, her conflict, her emotional affliction, her torment was such that she was in a couple of live-in facilities. Um, and in the second one, um, she made the decision and, and she was in a very difficult place to say, I am going to own my lesbianism. I'm going to get in a relationship. And... And of course, uh, 
Simon lets us in. Here's, here's the voice messages. Here's the texts. Here's the, the journal entries with this woman. Here's Alana with the psychic who now can't really trust the church. So she's seeking another spiritual mediator. It's so sad. Mm. But equally sad is I'm actually free to be with this woman in a way in the new ethos, in the new ethic. I can be gay, but I'm still not happy and I can't deliver in this relationship. Yeah. And so she moves on from it. Um, and so that's very sad. Yeah. You know, it's very sad that that here is this woman whose conflict obviously was becoming excruciating and who uh, was finding fewer and fewer options, sadly. Um, Simon also realizes through Alana, I can be gay too. Um, and, you know, I won't listen to it. He may have another series on on his coming out. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that's all going to be about. But the examples he gave were really underwhelming of how how Examples of, of coming out, coming out and, to his various... Yeah, to his cousin and his to his dad. father. Okay. And, and it was like, oh, okay, so they're just listening. And honestly, it's not really hard to come out these days. Um, it's, it's much harder to make a commitment to chastity, real chastity, real integration. That's actually hard. I don't say that to be boastful or proud. I say that often humiliated. <laughs> Can you just, before you go By in, my own efforts. Just again, for the sake of people listening who might yes. be hearing this, and yeah. you know, if you're steep, if you're of a certain age and steep in this culture, hearing coming out is not hard. Yeah. Is going to be, you're going to react because that is sort of the picture painted coming out is heroic. It takes yes. a bravery. Yeah. Um, so oh. if I'm kind of steeped in this world, and that's okay. what I think, and I hear you say, okay, I'm sorry, steeped in what world? The world, the Catholic in, world? no, steeped in the, uh, the secular world. Like okay. just as a public school teacher, just sort of narratives of, mm -hmm. of teens coming out is sort of this heroic, yeah. brave, you, you cross exceptional yeah. thing to come out is to be brave. Um, and so, can you just go like? just a little more detail because I think people could hear this soundbite yes, it and be like, please. how dare he say it's not hard to come out. Can you just go into more detail by what do you mean? Like it's not mm. hard or I mean, or kind of related. Why is being chased and integrated? Why is that harder or yeah. braver in the parlance well, I of think the world? What, I mean, what I do like, if I may say what I do like about quote coming out is that at least you're saying, in some social setting, yes. So, so your your inner stuff is becoming outer. That's yes. what coming out is. Yeah. That's a good thing because it's saying, "Wow, this is what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. This is what I've been fantasizing about. This is where I've been going online with my virtual support system or pornography or whatever." Um, so I'm I'm owning that and I'm saying that. Obviously, we we believe that in living yeah. waters. That's the threshold. You've got to be willing to do that. And as good Catholics, not just to the priest, not just to the director, not just to the therapist, but to a small Community. group of people. But 
we also treat it as holy ground. Yes. Right. It's like you're talking about your sexuality. So it's, 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 it's a good thing to be open with trustworthy people who are not going to mishandle and use your treasured expression of brokenness mm -hmm. as we would understand brokenness or perhaps sins against chastity. I think it's a dangerous thing to declare that as that's who I am yeah. and that's who I'm going to be and I'm, I'm a gay man, you know, that's me. That's who I will be. Um, I, I, I do actually think in the current cultural climate that is the, the prescription given uh, more times than not, mm -hmm. that that is seen as the key to your life, health, and peace. Please do it. So in that sense, I think it is the path most traveled today. Yeah. I think, to your point, is that easy to do? It could be. I think for some people it can be. I think it's a way of, of finding an identity. And, and as you know, in, in, in most secular campuses, junior high and high school, you've got, you, you've got, you know, you've got people applying. You have a club. You have a, a literal school club. Yeah, you found your niche. To, to be yeah. in community and supported yeah. and kind of revered. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, 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 take it, I take what you're saying well. That may not be so easy. I would say what I like about it is being open what I don't like about it is the conclusion that one draws in uh, about oneself in coming out like this. Yeah. I think it, it's, it's essential these days to find a community of sorts within which you can say, but these are some deep things that I'm sorting out. Yeah. And because of what's happening culturally, uh, that I would say is decidedly not guided by the Holy Spirit of God, but is the spirit of the age, I would say I actually need to find a counter-cultural community that's going to help me make sense of this in some way other than, well, that's just who you are and, you know, yeah. go for it. I did. You know, who are you hooking up with now? Yeah. Rather like, well, no, I, I don't want to hook up. With, I don't want to politicize my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go outside of the clear lines for how my church defines chastity. But I, I, I want to walk within a certain integrity of saying this is what I'm dealing with. And that's what we're saying yes and amen to. Simply not um, uh, doing it according to the spirit of the age. Well, thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, I think this probably ends our, yeah. our first episode of, the, of, of this short series. So please, please do join us for the next one. Uh, and remember, share this podcast with your friends. Uh, we do want to uh, re-engage our promotional effort to get this podcast far <laughs> and wide. Engage in a promotional effort? Yeah. Maybe it's better language. <laughs> Start promoting. Can you just start it for us, I mean, please? we thought word of mouth was... <laughs> Yeah. Sufficient. You can donate to our Patreon. I'm just yes. kidding. We don't have. You don't have one yet. We, we would not make any yet. money. Yes. Andrew, thanks for being with us. Yeah.